Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, choir. I just want to take a moment and say good morning. Happy Easter. He is risen. Thank you to Jay. He, he cooked all the pancakes with some help, too, but all of our ladies, too, for breakfast. Can we just give them a hand? Thank you, ladies, for all of your work. Um, back in uh, 2019, uh, a man, Shay Bradley, uh, he was from Ireland, and he died, and his body was being lowered into um, a dugout grave, and he was surrounded by many family and friends and bagpipes and all. Then, all of a sudden, from this lowered casket came a voice. Hello? Hello? Let me out. It's dark in here. Is that a priest I can hear? Hello? Hello? Please? Who's there? Hello? Hello? Was Shay alive? Actually, he had pre-recorded this prank. <clears throat> he had asked his closest family uh, to play this as he wanted to give the last laugh, leaving people smiling and laughing, not mourning his loss. If you would, take your Bibles with me and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're so glad that you're here today, and I hope that you'll come back next week because there's church every Sunday here at West Hill. And so uh, we, we enjoy having you, and we would love for you to be here and join us. One of the things that we do is we stand when we read scripture, and so I would encourage you, if you're willing and able, if you would stand with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you can stand if you would, and we're going to read verses 12 through 58. Now, some of you may not be used to reading this much scripture. I'm not sure that I'm used to reading this on Easter Sunday, but I figured, you know, I, I got time to preach, and you got time to listen, right? And so 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 uh, through 58. It says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Amen? The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by one man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. 
Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. And for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put into subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all human or not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for stars different differ from star and glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weaknesses. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, my brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the perish imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. 
We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last supper. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the great privilege that we have in this place, in our country, Lord, that we can gather and that we can sing and we can proclaim the truth of your word. Lord, I pray that your word would resonate in our minds and our hearts today. I pray that your spirit would be amongst us this day, that it would reveal our sin and would reveal our rebellion against you, but it would also reveal your great grace and your mercy, that it would show us how much you really love us. So bless our time as we dig in here. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So today we talk about resurrection faith. And I ask you, what is resurrection faith? Well, it's this, and actually there earlier in uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul writes this um, to those who are in Corinth. He says, I want to remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you. The gospel is called the good news. All right, the good news that Paul preached to them, which you received, he says, in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So what did he preach to them? This is resurrection faith. I delivered you what was first importance, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, and that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. This is resurrection faith. It is to believe that Christ died for your sin, for my sin, for our sin. That Christ was buried and that he raised three days later, according to the scriptures. Christ's death on the cross was substitutionary, meaning he took our place. He took your place. He took our sin and he hung on a cross and he bore our sin there. He took the pain, he took the punishment that you and I deserved, and he sacrificed his perfect blood for the sins of the world. We know that Christ was removed from the cross, and after confirmation of his death by a spear in his side, whereas the scriptures tell us that he was pierced and out came blood and water. Hemothorax is what it's called, the technical term. It's when the heavier red blood cells 
separate from the lighter plasma water. And so this shows as that spear went from the bottom up to his top, that as the fluid came out, Jesus had been dead. It was a very technical term that I used here, but it's very simple, and it shows us again, once again, that the Bible is true, every part of it. And so as Jesus hung on the cross, he didn't fall asleep, he didn't go into a coma. No, in fact, his body had begun the decaying process where the red blood cells separate from the white plasma. I'm not telling you to go home and try that, but talk to a doctor, okay? Do a little research and you'll start to see that what actually took place for Jesus is really life. It's what happens in real life when people die. And so this idea, this thought that somehow Jesus in all of his scourging and all of the torment that he went through, he just, uh, you know, went into a coma and that when they put him into a grave, that that coldness kind of revived him and out he came three days later. No, that's not really true. Look at the facts. The fact is that Jesus died. He died for you. He died for me in our place. Then he was buried. Christ was buried. What do you do with somebody who's dead? You keep them around? Mm, wouldn't recommend that. You lay them in the ground from where they came. Dust to dust, ashes to ashes. And on the third day after his death, Jesus rose from the dead. Paul tells us in verse 20 here that this is a fact. I love how he states it. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. This isn't truth or dare. This is either the truth or it's false. And Paul is saying, let me tell you a fact. It's not fiction. It's not made up. It's not something that somebody just created. It isn't just a good story. No, this is a fact. That three days after Jesus was laid in a tomb, do you know what happened? Something miraculous. He rose again three days later. That's right, Bennett. I'm glad somebody's listening here. And I'm glad you found that big Easter egg too. Death has been defeated. It's not yet destroyed. We see that in verse 54 and verse 26 of what we just read. Death has been defeated, but it's not yet destroyed. We deal with death every day. The very physical realness when someone passes. But we've been given victory. Victory through one person. And let me just tell you, it's not because I've said it, it's because God tells us. There's only one way to God, and it's through his son, Jesus Christ. We have been given victory, not through what we do, not through what we can accomplish, but what Jesus has already accomplished. The fact that Jesus not only died, not only was he buried, but that he rose again three days later, conquering sin and death. And he offers us that victory to live each day. So why is Jesus' resurrection so important? 
We know his death is important. We focus on that quite a bit, especially even as we participate in communion. When we remember his death, his broken body, his shed blood. But why is the resurrection so important? I'm glad you asked. If there is no resurrection, Paul says here, if there's no resurrection, then your faith is in vain. You might as well just not have faith. You can be like a lot of the world that we encounter each day. Where's your hope? Where's your joy? If there is no resurrection, your faith is in vain. If the only hope that we have is this life, Paul says this, we are people who are most pitied. I want to challenge you here for a moment. When you think of your life, is this what you're living for? Because let me explain to you, and let me tell you, there is something greater and something more that God desires for each of us. It's more than just this life that you're living here right now. If the dead are not raised, Paul says this, eat, drink, because tomorrow we're going to die. Ever heard that before? I've heard it a lot from a lot of people. And I think it's quite sad. Say, oh, well, that's your crutch, Pastor. You, you got to lean on that to help you get through life. No, let me tell you, this is a fact. And whether you believe it or not, or you tell me something else, I believe that the Bible is true. A hundred percent of it. And I hope that you would not just Google the Bible, but that you would dig in and you would start to read it. And if you start reading it and you start studying it and start to say, what does this mean? I believe with all my heart that you're going to see that it is true too. And that what God offers to us because of Jesus's resurrection, he offers us something that no one and nothing can ever provide you. It's that hole in your heart and in your soul that nothing can provide. It's why you feel that way even after you bought something new. It's why after Christmas and all the great and the fun time together with family, you still have that little hole in your heart. It's because only God can fill that. There's a question of, well, how are the dead raised then? What kind of body do they come back with? I love this because he takes this analogy of a seed. I grew up on a, uh, and worked on a farm. We had a huge garden, and so I know all about seeds. I saw more seeds in my childhood than I ever desire to see again. But it wasn't the seeds that were the problem. It was the weeds, okay? So I like planting the seeds because you knew what was coming. That seed, as you place it in the ground, you knew in a couple weeks, if it got rain, you knew there was going to be a little plant that was going to come up. But there was something that happened to that seed. That seed had to actually die. It was cracked open. It would crack open. And from that death of that seed would spring a new life. Jesus had to die in order to spring forth life for us. Paul says in verse 42 that the flesh, the natural body, is 
perishable. Look at it. You feel it. I feel it. When you're young and vibrant, you think you're invincible, right? And the older we get, the more we're like, man. I mean, we heard Pastor David groaning as he's trying to fold the paper. I tell you, as you get older, it helps you, right? When you need to sit down or get up, you just groan a little bit. It helps. Our bodies are perishing, but they're also corrupt because we're sinners. We're born with a sinful condition, every one of us. And that was passed from Adam. Paul says, Adam, the first man, he became a living being, but he was from the earth and dust. But Jesus, the last Adam, became a life-giving spirit. Why? Because he was from heaven. Verse 49 says, just as we have been born in the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. We will one day look like Jesus. Think about that. The risen Savior. Now, when the ladies saw him out of that tomb, they recognized who he was. They saw him. Not at first. They thought he was the gardener, right? But as he spoke, they knew his voice. Man, one day... We get a new body. People will still recognize us. They'll know it's us. But we shall bear the image of our Savior. Paul says what is perishable or corrupt and what is imperishable will be incorruptible. Meaning you make mistakes every day. We all do. But one day, no more mistakes. That's the life I look forward to. What is mortal, that term mortal means death. And what Jesus offers us is immortality. It's a Greek word that means deathlessness. And more than just deathlessness, it talks about the quality of life. That's where I love what Paul says earlier in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 4, when it says that we are swallowed up by life. That's our life. We're dead, stuck in our trespasses and our sin, and we get to be swallowed up by life. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we will be raised like him. Death no longer has victory over us. Death no longer has a sting to hurt us. And so Paul's charge to those early believers and to us today, be strong, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, our labor is not in vain. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 16 through 21 says this. For now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away 
and behold, the new has come. All this from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses or their sin against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We have work to do. We have been reconciled to God. If you're a child of God, and let me tell you, the only way you can become a child of God is by placing your faith and trust in Jesus. That's that resurrection faith. You need to have resurrection faith to be his child. There's no amount of doing or saying or being. You're never going to accomplish it. It's by believing. It's by trusting. Once you have accomplished that great gift, because really there's nothing to accomplish but to believe, right? It's to claim that gift as your own. Once you have that gift, Paul tells us there's work to be done. We have work to be done. We have a ministry of reconciliation. Because God made us right with him. God reconciled us to himself. Notice what it says. For our sake, he made him, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin. On the cross, Jesus took all of our sin. So why? Why did that happen? So that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. As God's children, we sit here in his righteousness. When God sees you, he sees his son Jesus, and you are declared right before his eyes. Don't let Satan lie to you. Yes, you sin. Yes, you disobey. Yes, you mess up. But God sees you as his child. We see that great grace and the mercy, the reconciling and bringing us to himself. Do we deserve that? No. But we were given the righteousness of God. Now we have the privilege to be his ambassadors to a dying world in need of resurrection faith. That's our job. That's our responsibility. Unfortunately, we focus too much on ourselves. We focus on our doings, our wants, our desires. And we forget what it means and the cost that was paid in order for God to reconcile and bring us back to himself. God wants to make his appeal to the world through you. Think about that. Think about what that means. God wants to make his appeal to the world. He wants to show the world Jesus Christ through you. What a responsibility. 
we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today's the day. Don't mess around. Don't say, oh, I'll do it later. Today's the day. You trust Jesus Christ. And I'm not telling you all good things are going to happen. Let me tell you, it's going to be hard and it's going to be rough. There's going to be testing. But the best part about it is God is right there with you. He is there every step, every decision. He will guide you and he will lead you and he will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And he wants to use you to show the rest of the world that he loves them too. Maybe you might desire to speak from the grave like Shay. <laughs> but let me encourage you. It was only a recording. The only life that you can have after this in the flesh is found through Jesus Christ. And it's only possible because Jesus rose from the dead. Will you pray with me, Lord? We thank you for your goodness, for the great gift that you have given us. When we look at the cross, we see your great love. When we see the empty grave, we see your magnificent power. The same kind of grace and love and the same kind of power can be used to make our wrong relationship with you right. And Lord, my prayer is this morning, if there's any sitting here or listening here this morning who have not yet trusted Christ, I pray that they would taste it and see how good it is. For those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus, who are followers of Jesus, who are children of yours, Lord, may we take to the very fullness of the responsibility that we have. You've given us life. We don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. You've given it as a gift. But in return, you ask us to represent you. To be ambassadors, reconciling people to you, Lord. So may we show that. May we display that. May we share that hope. Because of what Jesus Christ did for us. That resurrection faith. When Jesus died was buried, and rose again three days later. We love you, Lord Jesus. Help us to live our lives fully and completely for you. We pray this in the name of Jesus.